Welcome to another episode of the Colorful Kit Podcast. We're, we're talking all things Mexico World Cup qualifying. We got my boy Naive out in New York. How's it going, Naive? Hey, Raul. Uh, good to hear you. Good to see you as well. And uh, no, well, I haven't done one of these in a while. So if I don't don't sound appropriate or like I don't know my shit, you know, uh, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All good. We're just, as long as you don't uh, say anything stupid, like you want uh, Wusitich to coach the national team, we're good. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so League MX is full swing. We're a couple. We're what halfway through the season now? I think two quarters, two thirds of the way through the season. Yeah. Um, I saw some stat on an MLS stat that um, over a quarter of the coaches who started the season in MLS are have been fired. Yeah, I mean it's they're they're learning from Liga MX, no? That's what I said. I was like, man, Liga uh, MLS want to be Liga MX so bad. <laughs> no, but I think uh, a lot of issues have brought up. I, I think um, you know the pandemic has been difficult, especially if your family doesn't live in the states and they live in Europe, for example. I think that's been one of the issues. You know, another one just just uh, there, there's some clubs that have a winning culture, you know, and if they start losing a long streak of games. You know, it's Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, they're so used to just winning, winning, winning. And when Heinz started and everything was just, uh, of course, and then the reports that came out and everything, uh, that that took this job away. But now Gonzo's over there and, you know, uh, Mexican representing um, representing us very well in, in, in MLS. No? Yeah, I really, I, I was a big fan of him. I, I was a big fan of him when he was in MLS playing. Well, just in general, but then when he he was a he was a broadcaster for I think one or two seasons, yeah. he was really good. And then he went to become an assistant coach. He's been there for a while, and I was a big fan of him. I'm 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 not surprised he kind of held out because I think he interviewed for other jobs. And I think the I think if he wanted to be a Liga MX coach, he could he could I mean Liga MX jobs open up every two three months. So <laughs> but that's probably why he waited. You know, he waited to find that perfect job, and I'm happy for him. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at. Look at Rafa Puente right now. Rafa, all the teams he already coached in Liga Max, and now he's an assistant to Tuca and Juarez. You know, so he kind of did it backwards, no? And Gonzo is kind of the t- total opposite. Many years in Seattle Sounders, you know, probably one of the best, one of the best franchises in the league, you know, in, in terms of consistency. And now he goes to another team that, you know, cashes out. You know, if they need a player from South America or even a player that was playing in, in Ligue 1 in France, they bring him over. So it's that type of club, you know, you you, can't, you don't say no to Atlanta, you know. The, my, the craziest thing about Atlanta to me is that they're paying Jurgen Tam $1.3 million. Well, that, that is maybe, wild to me. Maybe that's one of the one of the biggest asterisks in their, in their player movement, no? You know, I... Unfortunately, at least he's doing well on TikTok, uh, Jurgen. No, and you know, I think he's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's not on the I mean, field. I, <laughs> I remember Jurgen five, six, seven years ago. I was big on him because he had he had the one thing that most Mexican soccer players don't have. He had an EU passport, and it's so rare. It's still rare nowadays for have for a Mexican to have an EU passport. And that's one of the big reasons why. There's so many Americans overseas because they have a gr- grandfather who was Italian or Irish, and yeah. they get that passport. I mean, people forget that Pulisic only left for Borussia Dortmund when he was 15 because he technically signed as a Croatian because he he got a Croatian passport. 
So, uh, and then there was a rumor that Borussia was looking at Jurgen because he had a German passport, but that never happened. The man never learned anything else besides going straight, going fast in a straight line. And now look at him. He's making $1.3 million making TikToks in Atlanta. And not playing. That's the thing, no? So I think, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big, one of the big misses maybe in, in the last years of Mexican football. But, you know, um, you know, there's other players in the pool that I think have have stood out during that period of time when he's he's been, you know, playing as well. And speaking of Atlanta, their old coach Tata Martino released his his roster as call-ups for the October games. Um, we the big additions are Raúl Jiménez, Chucky Lozano, and Johan Vasquez. And the big subtractions there are Pizarro, Piojo Alvarado, Sepulveda. Um, what do you think of the roster? Now, you have any, anyone stand out? Any snubs? No, I, I think Raul, you know, with, with Martino, to be honest, is is he's been trying to build the sort of team since he came in, no? Like the pool that he is, he has since the beginning, he's tried to stick with it in a sense. You know, that's why the average age of our goalkeepers it's so freaking old. Um but you know, it's 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 la dinamica del grupo, like the the group, the sense of it, you know, the strengths of it, how comfortable his coaching staff feels with this roster, you know, uh, for example, Jonathan Dos Santos was key in that Gold Cup win that they had several years ago. Charlie Rodriguez, likewise, was very important, you know, and I think little by little, Tata has integrated the Youth 23 generation, the bronze medal generation, you know, and that's why you see Johan Vasquez in, that's why you see Cesar Montes in, Córdoba, Alexis Vega, Antuna, no? Uh, you know, it's, it's a good mix, you know, in general. You know, I would have liked maybe Jimmy to have stayed in the coaching staff with Martino, uh, considering how much he's using that generation in particular. He's very strict with what he wants, and also he's very straightforward of what he needs, you know, and he's not he's not scared of leaving out players out from Europe. You know, uh, one of the things I go back to a lot is with his Paraguay national team, there was a lot of Liga MX players in that team, you know. It was, it was, I want to say, five or six mainstays were from Liga MX, and and so it's a league that Tata already kind of, I'm not gonna say, you know, he he understands somewhat pretty good because he's been watching it for many many years, uh, but I think he he respects the league, you no, know? um, and I think that's why. You know, Antuna's in, Cordova's in, uh, Vega's in, and maybe Linus is not in right now because he's coming off an injury. But, uh, but you know, and little by little, he's probably going to win minutes over there in Betis. But, yeah, that's how I see it. I mean, I, I do understand that there's this need, for example, in the goalkeeping position, why don't you give youngsters opportunities or at least training sessions? You know, even now, you know, because you got Acevedo, but I think he's injured now with Santos. But and then David Ochoa, who already made his switch you now with uh, to Mexico, and so a lot of people are excited to see him and see what he has. Hopefully soon Araujo will do the same. You know, I think um, the, the 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 right back from the Galaxy. Um, so I think uh, with Martino, it's to be honest, I, I I respect the guy a lot. You know, he did he did wonders with the Paraguay national team a lot of years ago, and you know sometimes seems like a dude that you know, can can keep a, a dressing room calm and stuff and you know, does it like seem like grandpa. he gets uh does it seem like he gets the benefit of the doubt just because of his pedigree, you know? I think he does. I mean it's 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 like 
when does Mexico had a chance with a coach like Martino? Like, it's rare, you know? I remember back in the day, we would, like, think, oh, hopefully Goose Heating comes to Mexico. But at the end, it was a uh, good old Ricardo Lavolpe because, you know, that's that's as good as we could get. Um, and I think nowadays, the national team is more attractive, maybe, to these coaches, you know, especially the, the coaches with experience and a lot of uh, a long curriculum. I mean, at the end of the day, Martino has been everywhere. I mean, he was in... Barcelona might have not been successful his time there, but the fact that he was there, I mean, I think that's a big, big deal, especially since he got pulled out from Argentina to go to Barcelona. Nowadays, it might happen again with Barcelona. They might pull Gallardo from Argentina to take him over there to 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 Spain, but we, we'll see. But um, um, I, I think, uh, you know, with Mexico in general, after many years following and many years just like, checking it out and, and now kind of being outside of it, just let the man work and see what happens. You know, I think, you know, it's not the end of the world if, if Mexico <laughs> doesn't succeed in this World Cup, in my opinion. I mean, at the end of the day, we've been in how many World Cups and the, the national team reaches the round of 16. I mean, it's every single World Cup and that's a big deal, but we disregard it immediately. We're like, oh, how, how is this impossible? But that's a big deal. I mean, how many national teams can say that crap? You know, Make it out of the group. I know, <laughs> I know. Like people shit on that. Like, oh, Mexico doesn't play the fifth game. It's like, yeah, you can, you can, you can criticize the Mexican national team program for not reaching the fifth game, but you have to all have to praise them for reaching the fourth game. You know, they haven't had a meltdown. You know, you have these countries who do well for you know a bunch of cycles, and then they have they have a shitty World Cup. I mean, France had that shitty World Cup. Germany's Argentina, had like a shitty World Cup. Argentina, Argentina with Vienza. Yeah, they they just yeah. ran train in the qualifiers. I remember in two thousand two. And they didn't make it out of the group. And, and, now, and, and that, that Argentina, Batistuta, uh, you know, freaking, I don't yes. know, Crespo, Sanetti, Aymar. You know, it was an amazing Argentina team. And, you know, with Mexico, I think, let's just chill, the, let's just chill out for a while. And just, you know, the team had a bad summer in terms of losing the, the championships that they had to win. Because in Mexico, you know, everything has to, you always have to win, no matter what. I'm like obligated to win. Obligated that's, that's to what, win. That's what Tata said. That's what Tata said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, we literally had our two best forwards, Raul and Chucky, face near death experiences. Like, yeah. stick that shit <laughs> in your mind. Like, yeah, these dudes yeah. have to deal with stuff. Had to deal with stuff that literally put them in a position that they were like, "Should I continue playing? Like, is it worth me continue playing?" But they, and they're still in, and, and they're coming back to the national team this month, and hopefully they do well, you know, and, and they can recuperate that level that they showed several months ago. But Mexico played these two finals against the U.S. without their two best forwards, and, and they're probably starters, you know. If you put a, a Mexico national team lineup in the first game in 2022 World Cup, Raul and Chucky are starters. I mean... No one's gonna say you're crazy for saying that, and so so I think chill chill out for a while. You know, let the team roll. I'm really surprised with Alexis Vega. I'm really surprised with Uriel Antuna. You know, they might not be doing well in Chivas, but when they wear a three jersey, it's like they transform themselves. And I think that says more players. about the coaching. That says more about the coaching at Chivas than anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's why it's 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 been a circus over there in Chivas since since Almeida left. But, uh, you know, so so I think, you know, in general terms, just let them work. And, and I know that 
things will change. If they lose against Canada, for example, people are going to be like, how, how is this happening? And, you know, it, it, things will break out. Of course, everyone will say that Tata Shuli. But, you know, at the end of the day, look at Canada, how much they, they've grown. I mean, fuck, they got probably the best left back in the world right now. You know, that was not... Who would have thought 20 years ago that Canada was going to have the best left back in the world? No one. So I think that also says a lot about the growth of the, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, the growth of the Confederation. Because I'm not going to say that the Confederation has grown big, big time, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's funny when people talk about MLS. I think the best thing MLS did was to raise the floor of the Federation. If you think about it, you know? We had so many Canadians, Jamaicans, all those Central American like they'll go play in MLS. Maybe they can't make it to League MX, but they can play in MLS, you know? And it's just it's helped it's helped the the region as a whole, I think. Maybe not so much Mexico. Yeah, not much Mexico. It's helped the region because even when you look at Salvador, you no, know, and how many USL players they have. Um, you know, the, some of their forwards are from the USL and 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 then you see them compete. You know, they put out, they put up a fight, you know, they put up a fight against the U.S. in the qualifiers. They put up a fight against Mexico and the, and the Gold Cup, you know, and I think that's good. You know, it, it might not look pretty. It's not it's not Belgium against the Netherlands. It's not that, you know, it's 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 region. You know, we deal in a region that doesn't even have VAR in the World Cup qualifiers, you know, just just to blows like... my mind. It <laughs> blows my mind. And the reason they said they don't have it is because they said because only the stadiums in Mexico, Canada, the United States have facilities to do that. And in my head, we just played a tournament for no reason other than CONCACAF wants the money. Can we not just schedule one friendly from between Mexico and the United States and, hey, use all that money to put VAR in these other, you know, yeah. five, six stadiums? It makes it's no sense. It's not expensive. Every, uh, everyone has internet nowadays. It's not like, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, I think just laziness uh, to be honest laziness in, in a lot of in a lot of ways to put it you know and um but but it, it is a region that still has its 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 things that leaves you questioning you no know? and and how serious it wants to take it you no know? and i think that's one of the things that it, it's serious because at the end of the day there's going to be games in the next months where a small penalty can change the whole thing I mean, yeah, wait till the last two cycles, wait till the last, like the last two FIFA months of what, six, three games each. We're going to go down to the last last half of these games in the last game. And there's going to be calls that are going to be talked about because maybe it's a 50, 50 call, but if the ref blows it off, keep going and you look at the replay and Hey, this guy fouled Jimenez, Mexico should have won this game, which maybe it doesn't affect Mexico, but what if Mexico beat, what if Mexico would have beat Costa Rica? Does that mean Canada makes it to third place? You know what I mean? You don't, we're so tight, you know, we're so tight yeah. in here. And I think it's going to be, I mean, we have Mexico, Canada, USA, and Panama, you know, that's seven, five, five, five points. Do you not, do you think Costa Rica is going to get into the top four? I can see that happening. Yeah. I mean, they, they no. have, they have the experience, but I think Costa Rica has been, in my opinion, they've been one of the weakest links, especially from the first first month. Um, I think Panama surprised many of us. You know, I think uh, you know the the player that has stood out to me a lot is Barcenas. I think who who's owned by Cholos, I believe. I think he's he did pretty well. Uh, you know, the Cinderella story is El Salvador, in my opinion, because it, based on what they showed in the Gold Cup, 
you know, it, 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 I think I think that they miss a lot of opportunities, especially not winning at home. I think that that's gonna cost them. Uh, but there's still time, you know. So Honduras also, it's 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 a shaky ground because it looks like they're not cool with their manager as well. They've been asking for his for his departure. Many many you know, commentaristas and so forth and analistas from Honduras. So we'll see how that goes. I think if they if they fire the coach after this month, then it's turmoil in Honduras and. That could be some issue for them. So, you know, and we'll, we got to wait and see Jamaica. At the end of the day, Jamaica was hindered a Jamaica little bit. Jamaica was just, yeah, with the co- they were one of the big ones that got screwed. I mean, they essentially had two teams. Yeah. They had one team for the home game in Jamaica, and they had the other team for the away games because of the whole, I mean, Mexico was affected to to a small degree with uh, Lozano with and Jimenez era. But these other, uh, Jamaica, the big thing with Jamaica was, they were essentially doing what the U.S. did in 2014, you know, with all these dual nationals. They got them over to play for Jamaica as opposed to maybe playing for England or at some, one of these other countries overseas. So I, I thought Jamaica was going to be a big push for that third, fourth spot. But, man, they looked bad. They looked really bad these first three games. And I'm pretty much out of these eight teams, I think I think seven, maybe six of them are fighting for those four spots now. I think Jamaica's done. I don't Unless they get you know seven points in these next three i think they're just so broken down you know and you have so many new players for jamaica it's not it's not like they had a whole summer to gel either yeah, you know, these yeah. guys are all making their debuts it's it's gonna be tough yeah no i think uh you know the in this region i think it's very important to get those results at home you know uh, getting those wins especially against the tough opponents on paper, you know, for example, Mexico. Now that they all host Canada, it's a must-win for Mexico because they'll have they're to go to fans. Canada. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, and then, that's that's going to be full. Yep. Yeah, and then they'll have to go to Canada, where I don't think they're even playing in Toronto. They're playing somewhere else, or uh, where it's kind of like uh, not a common city for the, for Canada. So um, you know, we'll see. I I, I think uh, for Mexico right now, the key is is finding that momentum. With the with the with the forward position, you know, if if Chucky and Raúl integrate, and they right right immediately make an impact, and I think that's a good a good symptom for for Martinos Mexico. Um, you know, what Cordova showed against Panama, I think that was pretty good as well. You know, came in, changed a lot of the dynamics of the of the attack. Um, but you know, it's still it's the, the thing about Cordova is the way that he's sort of influential in the game. I he's more sort of like. I don't know. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Victor Guzman, but with more and more quality. No, because I remember Victor Guzman back in the day when he was balling for for Pachuca. It, it's just direct. He was like a goal scorer from the from the midfield position, sort of like yeah, those late the, runs, yeah, the late runs. So Gordo is kind of the same, but I think he has more quality because the dude can use both legs. No, he's ambidextrous, so I think that quality stands out with him. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think that's going to be something Charlie, I think Charlie Rodriguez has improved in the last months. And I think that's good news as well for L3 because he's that player that can sort of have the possession of the ball and it's hard to take the ball away from L3 when he's, when he's on point, no. So, um, you know, in, in, in terms right now, I was really impressed with Montes too. Those first games, I think he took. Dude, I've been waiting man. three years for that. I've been waiting years for him to yeah. take over that center back position. And and so you know, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting if he if he if uh, if uh, Martino gives a shot to 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 uh, Johan, no, and it's Johan and Cesar, 
um, you know, and, and, and it's going to be special, you know, especially for the state of Sonora, because both, both are Sonorenses, Montes and, and Johan. Um, and I think that's, it says a lot about that region, um, the North region of Mexico and producing those type of, of center. But I, I believe that Cesar should also be in Europe by now, but it hasn't happened. Sign an extension, way. right? He signed yeah. an extension with uh, Monterrey this summer, I think. You know, he's one of the best paid Mexican players probably right now in, in, in Liga MX yeah. and it makes total sense for him to stay. I mean, you know, Monterrey, when you look at their roster, I mean, it's one of the best in the Americas. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, if if, Mon- if this Monterrey competed in the Libertadores, uh, it would be up there, you know, with the Brazilian teams that are usually in the hunt for the Libertadores. So, so I mean, I think... Uh, uh, you know, that's one of the sad things nowadays, too, is like, I wish we were in the Libertadores. But, you know, Whoa, <laughs> who cares, bro? We got the leagues. We got the leagues cup now, you know, the whole month of. of I don't God, know about that. I'm you know, I think it, I so. think um, unless unless, you know, I, those tournaments will be serious. I think when the MLS teams also go to, to Mexico, you know, because it, it's even better for the MLS teams to go to Mexico, to go to different environments, you know, to compete down there. Because that's what they need. That's what they haven't been able to do, the MLS teams. Really, when they go to Mexico, it's rare for them to get a good result. And over here, you know, yeah, well, the Campeones Cup is played in Columbus. Of course, Columbus is going to have the advantage uh, for being home and, and Cruz Azul having to make the flight all the way to Columbus, Ohio. Um, you know, that 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 puts uh, the hindrance there. But, uh, you know, these tournaments, the MLS Liga Max tournaments are healthy, you know, but I, I think there has to be more more movement from, from both, you know, to see also games down, down in Mexico, I think would be good, especially for, for the fans in Mexico to know more about MLS up close, no, because now in Mexico, they just see uh, MLS on TV, no, and they see the teams and hear about them. But, you know, I think if MLS also wants to grow, they also have to go down there because why not? You can win a fan base down there. If teams really put effort and go down there, and and play you know and especially if they play good football down there people will notice well especially if you like the galaxy you bring chicharito down there it blows it's instant up. money <laughs> yeah. you bring him to Stadio jalisco and it goes crazy down there with the chicha I, I mean i don't know maybe because of covid but if i'm if i'm the galaxy i call up chivas and be like hey let's get a friendly you know yeah. i mean it's just it's gonna you can even do a home and home yeah, yeah. One I mean, summer you play at uh, Jalisco, the other summer you play in, at LA. It's yeah. going to sell out instantly. Instantly it sells <laughs> out, you know, and I think that's, that's. I mean, I think the Red Bulls, when they had Marquez, they did preseason in Mexico, and they actually did when they'd go to, they, I think they played like against Tecos and yeah, uh, Venados, did. I believe. Venados back then. Yeah, Thierry Henry too in that squad. Yeah, so I mean, I think, they noticed the capacity. I mean, all the games they played down there, they were all packed because Marcus was down there. So, you know, but it shouldn't be that, you know, I think it's, it's really, really important for both, you know, to, to move. I mean, we are, we already know Liga MX coming to MLS. I mean, we've seen it many years. I mean, you can take a game to Minnesota, Pachuca can go to Minnesota and it probably, I wouldn't say fill up, but there'll be people there cheering for Pachuca in Minnesota. So so I think I that... Mean, I've seen games in uh, Portland where the Portland fan base is insane, but I've seen Club America play Portland and there are more Club America fans in that stadium. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell Philly. 
Philly now with the Conca champions, I mean, they were like, they've never seen it so alive, that stadium in Chester, Pennsylvania. I mean, Chester, Pennsylvania is not so close from downtown Philly. I mean, it's a good 30-minute drive. It's not. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's not like right around the corner type of thing. And and there were fans, America fans from 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 Houston, from New Jersey, from Chicago, from, from Dallas. You know, it was insane over there in Philadelphia. Very insane. Uh, the one thing I will say about the League's Cup is that it's supposed to take place in 2023. Um, I don't know when it's supposed to take place. It's supposed to take over one month. There's a Gold Cup that summer, and I believe there's a Copa America that summer. I don't know who's going to be playing in these games, you know? I mean, it's going to be B and C, C squads for some of them. I know they're going to shut down the leagues for a month, but if you have a player who's doing Gold Cup, He's not gonna go. He's not gonna go from the Gold Cup straight into this League's Cup. They're gonna give him a couple of weeks off or something. You know, it's gonna be a lot of B teams. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it, it it has that similar feel to the Interliga, to be honest. Because when Interliga began back in the day, they would do it around uh, January, in the early early winters actually, uh, and, and and during that time, the MLS teams were barely starting preseason. So, so you would see teams that were not totally complete or built in those Interliga games. Um, you know, in, in, in back in the day, Interliga, I remember, I remember seeing America, Chiapas, you know, those, those, those Pumas, great Pumas uh, you know, and, and so, but it's kind of similar. I mean, of course, it's going to be in the summer, which means that the MLS season would be midway through, through, through the season. And Liga MX will probably the after the end of the. They'll be in preseason. Look at that, yeah. So the, it, it's. They'll uh, probably I, do it at the beginning of of the Apertura, right? Because I don't think they want to extend the season. They'll probably just do it at the beginning of the following season, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. So that I think that for, be, for Liga MX. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but also it's twenty twenty three. I personally feel it's still far away. I mean, it's <laughs> we still gotta see the yeah, World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's going to be wild because the World Cup is going to be, what, Christmas, Thanksgiving, 2022. And that's going to mean that the club seasons get pushed back a month or two months, essentially, in Europe, you know? Yeah. Because so, so you know, most most European leagues are done by the end of April. They'll probably be done by the end of, May, of June that in 2023, in summer. Exactly. So that's going to be a weird summer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know. They they say 2023. They might know something that we don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's why they picked that year. At this point, I'm just happy there's this. This is gonna probably stop the conversation of is Liga MX gonna join up with MLS for a unified league. I think that's. I think this kind of puts that to rest, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day, both both leagues, you know, need each other in the sense to just make more economical gains. I'd say. Um, I think MLS also needs more eyes in its league, and and the, they're well aware that you know the ratings of Liga MX in the US are insanely high. They, I mean, they keep Liga MX is the Liga MX is the number one league in the United States based so, on TV ratings. That's so, not even an opinion; that's a fact. That's a fact. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it in the clubs as well. So, how do you find ways to get? part of that cake, you know, and, and, and also join into the fun. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons this league's cup is created, you know, and see if, 
potentially, you know, that the whole notion of like, for example, the, the best example right now is the Philly experience with America. It's like, how do you get those Americanistas that went to that Philly game become Philly fans or vice, vice versa? You know, it's like when the Red Bulls hosted Chivas a couple of years ago, it's like, how do you get those Chivas fans to support the Red Bulls, you know, the local Chivas fans? And of course, it's a different dynamic, but the idea is that, you know, you have a stadium right right behind your backyard. So it's like, why don't you support that team as well? Creating those ties, you know, or that reason to support that club, I think that's where MLS needs to really make strides, you know, because I think it's possible. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's like, it's it's not easy, that's for sure. But I think it's, it's there's there's a connection there. Like, you can support your local MLS team, but you can also have your Liga MX team, you know, but there has to be some integration there that, that makes you that, that believer. No, I think for example, in Houston right now with the dash and Tigres Femenil, that's interesting because they brought in Maria Sanchez to the dash for a couple, for a month, I believe, but you built those ties. No. So now it's like a Tigres Femenil fan will definitely support a dash fan because they're playing friendlies with each other. They see a player moving from one club to the other. Um, it, it, she's bilingual, so she can integrate in Tigres Femenil and also in English with the Dash. So I think that's a pretty interesting one, a, a great you know example of, of how do you create some type of positive circuit between a Liga MX team and... Um, well, in this case, an NWSL team, you know, NWSL and Liga MX Femini. Uh, one thing I've always thought of is the whole Chivas USA experiment. Um, I wonder what that would have been like if it wasn't Chivas, if it was, if it was a competent organization, yeah. if it wasn't Jorge Vergara, if it was someone who had their shit together and was looking into the future, because. Because LAFC, I think, paid $200, $300 million to get into the league. Yeah. Can you imagine if a Liga MX, let's just say Club America would have got would have got a sister club in Miami or something, you know? Yeah. Let's just say that you could see that relationship of, hey, we're going to send players here, send players there. Because I know Red Bulls have a relationship, obviously, with Red Bulls, soccer, you know, all across Europe. And I know NYCFC has the connection with the city group. Yeah. But... There's such a disparity from the EPL to MLS that if you have Red Bulls, is a little bit better because you have different clubs across the world. Same with, uh, I guess, Citigroup. But you know, you always think of Citigroup. You think of Man City. Yeah. Now, if you had an MLS club who had a sister club or a Liga MX club that had a sister club in MLS, you could freely send players back and forth. You could build that so easily. You know, yeah. I know the rumor is that that the rumor was that. What was the rumor that Vergara wanted to told Chivas USA, hey, you can grab any of these guys on this list? And one of them was Chicharito. And Chivas USA said, no, we'll take someone else. <laughs> but can you imagine if you had – can you imagine if uh, Club America had a sister club in MLS and then when, when Cordova is 18, 19 years old, hey, let's send him to go play in MLS for one or two years and then we'll bring him back home to Club America. Yeah. That would no, be interesting. Well, I, you know? I think I – think, uh... You know, and it's not it, going to happen anymore. It's too expensive now. Like, yeah, there's no Liga MX club that can afford an MLS expansion. But Vergara had the vision, though. Vergara at least had the idea. Maybe he just couldn't do it right, you know. But he at least Same had thing the with idea. Chivas TV. 
Yeah. I think with Chivas TV. He had the idea. Yeah. Um, but the thing, and it's interesting what you bring up because it, it does make total sense. I mean, if, for example, Pachuca, who clearly seemed to have their shit together with players and, you know, bringing them, you know, young. And then, um, you know, the best example right now they have is Guti, Pizarro, and Chucky. The way they develop those players for a long period of time and look where they at right now. So, um, and at the end of the day, Pachuca is the only Liga MX team to win a Copa Sudamericana, you know, a South American title, you know, which I think it's one of the things that a lot of Liga MX wish they had, you know, Chivas was close with Libertadores. That's another thing. I mean, even with all the stuff that Chivas has been through, they were really freaking close to win a Libertadores. Really close. Yeah. That's <laughs> so like crazy to think it, but that was, that almost happened. Uh, so, so, so the thing here that you're saying about the, the exchange, I mean, the idea was there. I mean, and then you did see it. I mean, for example, Paco Palencia moved from. Yeah, Chivas. for like the first two or three years, it was there. They were sending players back and forth. Yeah. I think Chivas USA was doing their uh, preseason ad in Jalisco. And then, like three years in, he just, just said, you know up. what? It's not working. I'm not going to spend any time on this thing. I mean, at one point, I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the. There's a great story in The Athletic about the early days of Chivas USA. At one point, one of the one of the people involved, one of their kids, was literally suggesting players to sign based off of like FIFA 09. <laughs> like the stories you hear is like things like that. But it seems like in the beginning they were trying. They were even the jerseys were similar. Yeah. Everything was close. And then like three years in, he just gave up. I was like, yeah. eh. No, and it, I mean it, it, it's it's. I think I think uh, it says a lot also about Mexican planning. I mean, <laughs> to be honest. The Mexicans, we like to get the shit done right away, like al tiro. We don't <laughs> so, let's, let's go. Let's go. And yeah, when we think long term, it's tough, bro. Like it's it's not like for us. Like that's why we've had so many managers in the national team for all these years. It's like okay, you're you're fucking it up right now. Let's switch you out. Yeah, que well, It's like in Liga MX. I I blame one hundred percent. This is my theory. It's the short seasons. It's a short season. It's a short season. If mentality. you have, like, an MLS thing in MLS, you have, I mean, you've been with the Red Bulls for a little bit. There's teams that don't win a game for three months in the first part of the season. I mean, I've seen it with the with Seattle. They've had really rough beginnings of the seasons. Halfway through, they start winning, and then they win the title. If you're in Liga MX, you have six bad weeks. You're, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, Bucetich stayed longer than expected in Chivas, to be honest, because Bucetich had been there. But the thing with Bucetich is, Bucetich is Bucetich, no? He's the Rey Midas. And even though he hasn't won a title in a long time, you know, he still has that tack, no? And it's like respect, you know? Abuse lo respetamos because what he did in Monterrey, what he did in, even what he did with Querétaro, which is not like winning a title. I mean, I think he won a Copa Mex. But yeah. like at then he made Querétaro competitive, you know, and Querétaro he made them relevant, yeah, relevant, you know. Um, so I think that's what wins him the 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 opportunity to stay as long as he wanted. But it didn't make sense, no. And now he's out. Um, so it's 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 just difficult in Mexico with the short term season. Like you mess up like six weeks, like you said, and you're out, no. And and I think that's kind of what has really affected Mexican football through its history it's like quick 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 like 
you know, and then also like the whole idea of like you're eighth place and you can win the whole thing, like without, you know, that, now that's 12th place, right? Yeah. Imagínate, 12th place. Yeah. So as long as you're, as long as you're not, as long as you're not in the bottom third of the league, you make the league. Yeah. Essentially. That's good. You can say you made the league. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's, and look, and the thing about Mexican football too right now, it's like, we like just botched up the second division. Like it was just like all of a sudden, like an atomic bomb hit the second division. But like, yeah, we, we just don't care about that anymore. And to have a healthy ecosystem, football ecosystem, you do need a second division. I mean, it, there's you no do. team in the world. There, there's no national team in the world that can say, like, for example, go to Germany and say, like, we're going to abolish second division. It doesn't make sense at all. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and that ecosystem is unhealthy. And at the end, you know, the results will show. I mean, it, it, it is right now, of course, we got U-17s, U-15s, U-20s. But that's not it's the like same as Mexico as well. misses. Mexico has nothing for these kids between U19, U20 to U23. You know, that gap where, hey, let's send them on loan to a second division club that we either control or have a good relationship for 12 months. He'll come back a better player. I mean, yeah. MLS is fixing that. They don't ha they haven't had that for a while. And now with USL, I mean, Red Bulls have a US, USL club. The rumor is most there's going to be a new MLS Reserve League kicking off next year. And MLS is trying to actively solve that problem where Liga MX is literally kicking the can down the street saying, oh, we'll figure it out in three to four years. No relegation <laughs> until then. What, what do you expect that's going to happen in that time span? I mean, the players are just not going to, you know, uh, develop well. You know, it's, it's just like, it's very, 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 there's a very fine line between how, what you can do, of course, the what I've learned is the the players are getting younger. That's for sure. I mean, they're yep. they're start, standing starting out seventeen, eighteen, you know. And and like the crazy thing is like if you don't give a certain amount of first team minutes to a seventeen, eighteen year old, then that player might not make it big at any point. You know, they say that once they hit twenty two, they should already kind of be set in stone of what direction their career is going to head in, but. You know, in Mexico, it's very difficult, that thing, you know, especially if the second division is non, it, it exists, but it's, it's very bad. I mean, it's not, it's not the most organized of second divisions. So um, I, I think it's, it, it definitely affects uh, the development of the players, no? It doesn't give them a chance. I mean, how many players have we seen that made, especially with like big clubs like Chivas, especially Chivas who rely on their academy, you see a player make a, make their pro debut 16, 17. Everyone's all hyped up. And of course, he's, he's 16, 17 years old. All right, he gets dropped in the lineup. Where's he going to go play? He's not, I mean, Chivas used to have, they have a Tapatio, the yeah. second division club. I don't even know what they do now. I think they still have a, they, have, they still, they own a second division club, right? In like Liga yeah, Max expansion or something? Something like that, yeah. But it's like, if these kids don't succeed, you need to give them somewhere to develop quietly, you know, like away from everything, you know? And they don't, there's nowhere to send a kid. There's nowhere to send uh, Jonathan Espericueta for one or two years. No, he's just going to sit on so, the bench at Tigres, you know? Yeah, yeah, and then just get lost there. I mean, for example, right now, the case of this um, this Mexican-American Gomez, the one from Louisville in USL, yeah. that moved to uh -huh. Real Sociedad. Gomez was with the FC Dallas Academy, I believe. 
And and from the from FC Dallas Academy, he moved to Louisville because he wanted to play, get the minutes. And now look what's happened. He's moving to Real Sociedad. And not with a high price tag. That's another thing to keep in mind. The price tag that he has from Louisville to Real Sociedad is not $5 million and above, which is technically what a lot of Liga MX teams try to do with their young players. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to let him go if you're not paying $5 million. You know, you got to be reasonable as well sometimes. And, 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 and that's one of the things that Liga MX teams just lack, you know. Well, you, you see this a lot with uh, these young Americans. And I was talking to someone on Twitter about it. Um, the reason these moves happen is because these kids who want to go to Europe when they're 15, 16, but they're, the, they're like the kids who don't have the European passport. What they're doing now, and it's happened a lot in the last three, four years, you see it a lot with kids who don't want to sign MLS contracts because they know they're going to want to get a transfer fee, you know? So what these kids do is they'll sign with the USL and say, Hey, I'm signing with you guys for two years, but when I'm 18, I'm going to go to Europe and you guys can get a small fee. Cause if you're a USL club, you're happy with $500,000, you know, yeah. you're, you're happy, especially for a player you got for free. So a lot of these guys are signing second division contracts with the understanding that, Hey, when I'm 18, if someone comes in with, you know, at least this much money, I'm leaving. Yeah. It's almost like a pre-contract. Like, Hey, I'm with you until I, until I can leave legally. Cause you know, cause FIFA, you can't leave till you're 18, but exactly, exactly. But that also comes from having a healthy second division, you know? Yeah. If you're a kid in Mexico and Chivas wants to sign you and you don't want, you're like, you know what? I don't want to sign. I want to, I want to go to Europe. What option do you have? Yeah, exactly. And, and look, the case right now, also with this Pachuca kid, I think his name is Ruz El Mesmari. And I think he went uh -huh. with LAFC and now he's playing with Las Vegas um, or something like that. You know, that's an interesting case because Bruce played with the U-17s uh, with Mexico and now he moved out, you know, and, and I don't know what his path will be. Maybe he doesn't turn into a, a great professional player, but you never know. I mean, but it's, he's taking a different route, not the common route that a young Mexican footballer takes, you know, and I think uh, that's a case that could be emulated by other young players uh, in the future, Mexican players. Well, there's those two kids at uh, Villarreal. Oh, the Puebla uh, ones, yeah. Yeah, the Puebla ones, yeah. One of them is breaking. He's, he's, he's seen some time in the UEFA Youth League. That's excellent. Essentially the, essentially the Champions League for the U19, U19 players. I mean, yeah. that's that's the same thing that uh, Omar Govad did when he was at Porto and Gudinho saw plenty of time in that. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It's almost like um, <clears throat> with, the, uh, with the extinction of the – Caballeros. it's like these kids are signing contracts with their clubs saying i'll sign with you for four years but you have to let me go on loan in europe i mean isn't that what uh, gomez did at atlas he signed a new contract with them and said hey i need you need to let me go on loan and he went to port he went to you know play in portugal and didn't work out but he had the opportunity and he came back to atlas and atlas still has him i yeah. wonder if you're gonna see more contracts like that where hey i'll sign but you gotta let me at least try well, the Santi Muñoz case as well, no? The Santi Muñoz, now that he's with Newcastle, that was a bit also not 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 so common, no? You see him, uh, he didn't play for a while, wasn't sure if he was going to stay with the team. And at the end, it's, a, it's alone, no, to Newcastle. Yeah, to their U23, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, one thing I did want to say before we, before we wrap this up, go away from it, is um, 
what is the only snub I can think of of the roster selection is uh, Arteaga. Tata has come out and said it's basically, oh, he basically said I have other players in his position ahead of him. Yeah. Who? Like, <laughs> is he still mad because he didn't want to go to the Olympics? I think that's the rumor that he's, he didn't want to go to the Olympics and now Tata's kind of punishing him. Yeah, you know, so so with Mexico, like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of shady stuff that happens sometimes and, and, and there's not a clear explanation that they'll give. Um, it will all stay como chisme or rumores. And this is one of them, you know, it's clearly... You know, if you have a player that is consistently playing Champions League minutes, <laughs> Mexico doesn't have many of those. Um, he needs to be present. I mean, I just don't understand why he's not calling him up. I mean, I don't know if it was, or, or, you know, of course, you know, it's just difficult. This For, for a young player like Artiaga, who knows that was he was going to have minutes in Champions League, go and do the preseason with your club, you know, go and do that. And, exactly, and there's still plenty of players in the pool. For the, I mean, El Tri won the freaking bronze medal without Artiaga. That's how good the pool was. So I don't understand here the punishments. I don't understand here why you take him out, you know, or, or, or don't consider him, or why don't you just straight up say, "I'm not calling up this guy because he missed this. He didn't do this, you know, whatever this is." Um, so I think, you know, they just got to speak up straightforward, no? especially with also the Chichero case. Ever since Chichero said, you know, I know Chichero had his discipline issues with Martino, and I think that might have caused it. But also, Chichero was probably one of the first players to voice out that, hey, you know, if you're getting this much sponsorship money and you're using us, we also deserve a little bit more money. No, So I think the minute he says that, He's over, no? And also, you know, la fiesta que pasó in 2018 before the World Cup, no? And there was this rumor that it was Chichero who organized it. <laughs> you know, Gordon Herrera then had to go tell his wife that, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I didn't go, it was this, explain, you know? And so that, that messes Chichero's place in the, in that, in that, in that grupito, no? That the, the leaders, at the end of the day, right now, you see the, the, the roster and Ochoa is a leader, Guardado is a leader, Herrera is a leader, uh, Raul Jimenez is a leader. Um, so so there in that in that group of leaders, may Chicharito is not welcome anymore, no. So it's in 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 Martino relies on that group of leaders to move the ship, no, move the ship forward. So I think a lot of the things um, no se dicen, they don't say them, and Artiaga is one of them. I mean. Gallardo is a good left back in the sense of defensive wise. I'm not going to say that that Gallardo's playing lights out because he's not, but you know his World Cup experience plays a role already. You know he already has World Cup experience, but the thing is Gallardo is not playing Champions League. It's Artiaga, and Artiaga is actually right now in an ascending moment because he's in a club yep. in Belgium that more than likely in one or two years is going to sell them to a top five team in, in Europe, no, a top five league team in Europe. And that, and that's you know, what happened to the guy above him. That's why uh, at the end of last season, he started seeing more time because they sold the guy in front of him. I forget to who where, but it, it was a, it was a top, top five league. He, they sold him and they're like, all right, Arteaga, you're up next. And that's, you're right. That's what's going to happen to him. If he continues to play well and when it probably next half, let's just say he, he goes to the world cup with Mexico, which I think he should. After that World Cup, I'm sure they'll be like, all right, time to sell you for 
nine, ten, fifteen million dollars, you know, since they only got him for I think three million dollars from Santos. Yeah, no, so. and so so I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense. I mean, um it's unfortunate because that's one of the things that keeps Mexico backwards, I think, in a sense, against the best in the world is when you have these issues that are not totally related to on the field issues. You know, it's it's been always a lot of off the field issues that have affected the Mexican national team, you know. It was off the field issues that kept Cuauhtémoc Blanco from playing in the 2006 World Cup with La Volpe. Yep. It wasn't on the field issues. It was off the field issues. No. La Volpe didn't like Cuauhtémoc, and there were players, líderes de ese grupo de La Volpe, who didn't like Cuauhtémoc, you know? And and now you look back and you're like, fuck, man, if Cuauhtémoc plays against Argentina in that game, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we might have actually won that game. And that leaves you with that bad sabor de boca. And now yeah. the same thing now. It's like, would I rather have Arteaga starting over Gallardo? Yes. Because it's, he's just playing at a better level right now. And like, you know, it, that's one of the things I think with Santos, you know, because even Jorge Sanchez, he's a good player, but he's been inconsistent with America. Uh, maybe it might have helped Sanchez to have left Santos directly to Europe gone through a development, development, appropriate development, but, you know, being sold to America, he did win a Liga MX title already with America, I think. So Sanchez, that, that gives him a little bit of a, a hierarchy type of thing. But, you know, it, I, I just don't like it when I see these cases, but you kind of get used to it, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And the thing with these games is like, you know, you're playing, you're playing three games in six days. Luckily, Mexico has back-to-back home games, so that cuts down on the travel. But, you know, these guys are still going – some of these guys are going from Europe to Mexico for a couple of days, going to El Salvador, and then going back to their clubs in Europe. With all this travel, even the even the domestic-based guys, it's like you're going to have player rotation, The the you know, las rotaciones, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to. You can't, you can't play Gallardo 270 minutes in six days. You can't. Yeah, and then you need, who, who, you do you need put, who do you put him at? Who else is left? Osvaldo Rodriguez is a left back or a right back? I think they play him at left back. So he might be the... And Rodriguez plays for Leon, no? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, so. I mean, he did okay with uh, with um, with Nacho Ambriz. I think Nacho Ambriz did really well with Osvaldo. So that's technically the suplente de Gallardo, no? So, like I said, Martino is... Very, very, what's the word? He respects a lot Liga MX. I mean, I think he showed he that in his whole career. Um, so I think uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, after the results in the summer, no one expected El Tri to comfortably, quote-unquote, comfortably be on top of the leaderboard of the qualifiers at the moment. Everyone had the U.S. being on top of the <laughs> double the leaderboard of the of the World Cup qualifiers and and as we saw uh, the US did struggle that first month well it happens when you have no one like there's like no one on that team no outfield player like over 24 years old yeah <laughs> everyone is so young everyone is just like this is the first time going to Honduras like it's i know and no i know playing Honduras is not the same as playing Spain at home but it's just different in CONCACAF just it is different i mean it's, it's, it's just it's different. A different you need you need some guys yeah yeah, you need the guys that can tell you what to expect, no? And yes, you know, uh, with the with the U.S. men's national team, uh, Tyler Adams is one of the leaders, and and you know, Tyler scored that important goal in the Champions League. 
Um, but, you know, in the process, Tyler has to act like a leader that understands the, 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 how big the issue is, how big the moment is. But also he's learning in the process while, while, in, while trying to transmit that leadership. So it's, it's a crazy moment for the U.S. It's like, it's like imagine in 2005 when El Tri won the, the, the World Cup, the, the U-17 World Cup. Just imagine throwing all that generation into the fire and be like, yeah, you got to get us into the World Cup because we expect you guys to get into the World Cup because, you know, some play in, in Europe. A lot of the dynamics that I see with the U.S. are very similar to the dynamics that we saw with Vela and Giovanni when they were popping up, no? And we right away, tried to, we threw them into the fire and we were like, you are the guys that are going to get us out of this pernicious circle of, of not achieving anything in the World Cup. Um, and look what ended up happening. You know, they, they, the two of them have had, I would say that their, their time with the national team has been more unhappy than happy because of those pressures uh, put in from yeah. the start, no, that they were supposed to be the, the, the guys that were going to take us to the, to the, to the, to the top. Yeah. And I, I will say this about the United States, everyone, I mean, I do it too. They have so many guys in Europe. They have so many, these players in Europe, but let me ask you this. How many of those players in Europe are the guys? Like you have Raul Jimenez, he's the guy at Wolves. Yeah. You have Andres Guardado, he's one of the guys at Betis. He wears the captain's armband. You know, you have Chucky Lozano, he is their main one of their main attacking players. These other and you have even the players in um in uh Mexico, you have these guys. I mean, people don't like to say, but you have Funes Mori, he's the guy at Monterrey. You know, you have these players who are the guys and you have, yes, it's good to have all these players in Europe, but if they're, if they're one of the younger guys in the European club and they're just there, they're not the guys, it's different. You know, when you go to the national team, hey, you're the guy here, you know, yeah, but yeah. you don't, you don't have that experience. You don't have that experience of being the guy. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's like, it's, it, that's why the, it's so important, the presence of someone like Ochoa in the, in the goal, you know, he's been the guy. <laughs> For America, many many years, you know, and 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 even you know, at the end of the day, and and I know that other goalkeepers throw shade at Ochoa, you know, many times. And I'm speaking specifically about Osvaldo Sanchez and Jorge Campos. It, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't go to Europe. What Ochoa did, you know, Ochoa, you know, went to Ajaccio. Might not have been top team in in, in France. But he attempted it. He was in Malaga. He was in Granada. He was in Standard de Liege. Experiences that no other Mexican goalkeeper has ever lived. No one. No one. And that's why Ochoa is there. And that's why Ochoa will start the next World Cup. Because it's just, who has done that in Mexican football? No goalkeeper has done it. So I think, like you said, I mean, it's he is the guy right now. And then I think he has shown a lot of maturity, I think, in the last months, especially after the losses against the U.S. And I think that has been transmitted across the board in the team. And that's why Martino doesn't change that much, that many pieces in the national team. I think when you see a Martino roster today, it's going to be pretty damn similar to the one that we're going to see in the World Cup. I mean, it's not like, oh, well, if this player plays really well from this month out to the other month, He'll probably be in the World Cup. I don't think there's going to be that type of case. So who knows what's going to happen with Salcedo? Who knows what's going to happen with Arteaga? But if Mexico makes a World Cup, then I don't know if they're going to be in the list because he's very, very set on who he wants to take already. 
it's going to be interesting with the um um well actually one thing real quick about the u.s and mexico before i say that thing um michael bradley is 12 months younger than andres andres guardado think about that for a second bradley he's done with the net he's been done for what two years now like they haven't called him up nothing you have guardado who's who's like i think 10 to 10 to 12 months older than bradley He's still in the national team. He is the guy that's showing Cordova, Romo, Pineda, like, hey, this is how things are done here. You know, he's 35 years old. Obviously, he's not going to play three games every every uh, cycle here. But you ha- and then you have the USA, who has Tyler Adams, who's, what, 24 years old? 23? Yeah. yeah. It's a different and story. And you, you have all these kids looking up to him. Hey, what's, what's looking you for know, advice? You know, and you know, I think that's also the culture, Raul, because – it, if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but like when it comes to sports in the U.S., you know, even even when you see like basketball players, they're in fucking high school, like they're already hyping them up, like they're gonna be the next big stars in the NBA, you know. And, and that's kind of the same with the NFL. Like you know, top players from high school, they're like this dude is gonna be one of the best running backs to play the damn sport, and that they try to do the same thing with soccer. But it's a whole different ballgame soccer, I think, to those two sports, no? Because, of course, it's, 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 it, there's more details. Details are more important, I think, in soccer than many other sports, no? It's like leadership qualities, uh, technical abilities, tactical mindset, you know? All these details that are very crucial. Where you're playing, how many minutes you're playing, you know? It's, it's, and, and I think this is where Mexico still has advantage over the U.S. Is Guardado has been everywhere. Herrera, captain of Porto, uh, goes to Atletico Madrid, wins the league. He might not have been a constant starter in Atletico Madrid, but he was part of the team. He trained every day with that team, and they won the title. You know, And they're probably going to compete for the Champions League this season because they brought in Griezmann. I mean, you think about that, you add it all up, and Mexico still has an advantage. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now, because it looks like the U.S. is sending more and more players over there. And the reality is that the best football is played in Europe. And if they're over there at a young age, at one point, they're going to be more more proactive, more tactical, uh, savvy. And, and I think that's going to play in their advantage. But it's not going to happen now. It's probably going to happen at the beginning of 2026 when they host the World Cup as well. You know? So it's... I think it's a long process, but but it's just part of the culture as well. It's like over here you have NBA players that are, what, 20, 21, and they're already big-time players. I mean, look at Kevin Durant, his story. Like he was in – he just played Dude, one the year. NBA, basketball, it's like you can be a hyped-up player when you're 16, 15, 16 years old. Look <laughs> exactly. at the Ball family. You know, we've known about that family for years, and it's just, it's just wild. But, yeah, it's, it's in the U.S., I mean, we've all seen. I mean, there. I've, I will never forget. Back in like the early 2010s, I was, I was, I was reading MLS soccer, and someone wrote an article calling Jack McInerney the American Chicharito, all because he got hot over the first two months of an MLS season. And I was like, "You've got to be shitting me!" Nah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, but I think that's that's kind of a, you know, the relevance and and also you know the, the how the sport is also growing here it's like you know the, the fact that they say they compare one of the plays to chicharito and the same thing look with me i did say that linus when he was with america 
the same hype that he was receiving, it was the same type of hype Pulisic was receiving. You know, and I did, you know, I think the title, the article was titled Linus is the Mexico's Pulisic in the sense of like the growth and how quickly he was moving up the charts. So I think it, it goes both sides. And it, it, it also has to do with the dynamics that, you know, the U.S. and Mexico, it's it's a constant rivalry, you know, and it has definitely grown in the last years. Um, and to be to be honest, they still have, I think the thing that really hurts the Mexican football fan is the fact that they won in the World Cup. They beat Mexico in the World Cup. And I think they've lived with that for many, many years. And, and until... El Tri doesn't have that revenge in the World Cup. They, they will still keep it, no? Because they did reach El Quinto Partido by beating Mexico in a round of 16. So I think that's one of the ha hardest pills to swallow. Generationally, I mean, I hey, think El Tri... They didn't, reach, they didn't reach Partido Numero Uno in 2018. So yeah. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You look, <laughs> well, you know, and El Tri has won, you know, U17 World Cups. It has won um, gold medal in the Olympics, yep. bronze US medal, qualified. and the U.S. hasn't qualified. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, that, it's that rivalry type of thing that um, you look back and, and you see. And, but, of course, you know, it's like you tell a Mexican fan that is very devoted to talk about 2002, and, and it still freaking hurts because you know, talent-wise, El Tri should have won that match easily, and it didn't happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Still hurts, man. I remember waking up at like two in the morning to watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone remembers that day. It's horrible. It's one of the worst nightmares in my life. But hey, it happens. We've had a good run, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that gold medal was pretty nice. That gold medal was beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> the beautiful the uh, Peru the Peru World Cup U17 was beautiful. The, the the one in Mexico as well with Pericueta yeah, and like a, La yeah. Momia. La Momia Gomez, uh, yeah. you know, and all the successes in Europe. I mean, if you think about it, the way that Wolves fans love Raul Jimenez, I mean, I think that's very, very beautiful to see. The way that uh, Chicharito conquered Manchester, <laughs> I mean, that was one of the best moments, I'd say, for a Mexican yeah. soccer fan to just witness that. Um, Guardado and PSV, beautiful. Um, you know, all those moments were just significant, you know, and it tells you little by little Mexican football has grown, no? Edson Alvarez right now with Ajax is like the first Mexican to play in Ajax and the way that he's taken himself, grown as a footballer. And, you know, he, he, he expresses it openly, Alvarez says it. You know, they still don't respect Mexicans the same way as Argentines or Brazilians. So when a Mexican arrives to Ajax, they're like, what are you going to bring to the table? And you got to prove yourself every single day. And he hasn't quit. He has kept going, kept going. No complaints. If he's on the bench, it's okay. No problem. But when he has his chance, he goes out there and plays and puts his heart out. And the Amsterdam fans have noticed that. And I think that's that's better than a fucking <laughs> winning a, a medal or anything because that, that puts Mexico on the map. Uh, now now the, the, the rumor I'm seeing, which as, as, a, as a biased fan, it still makes sense to me. Um, have you seen the rumor linking uh, Alvarez to Manchester United? I've seen a picture of it. Yeah, I've seen. I haven't read that. Actually, it makes sense if you think about it, because Manchester United needs a defensive midfielder. Who? That's all they do, you know. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm already thinking: just send Van de Beek back to Ajax, 
and then take Alvarez on a loan or something with the buyout. I don't know. We'll see. We'll but, see. Uh... We'll see. I mean, <laughs> but but the thing is with with Alvarez, he really really wants to go to Barcelona or Manchester City. Those are his dreams. I think when I look to, when talking with him and and hearing his circle, those are the two teams that he's always sort of envisioned himself in. Um, you know, Barcelona, it's, it, it is a possibility considering the connections that Ajax has with Barcelona, Frankie de Jong, uh, Ajax to Barcelona, and of course the greatest of all time, Croy from Ajax to Barcelona. So there's that connection. Uh, in Manchester City, because, you know, he's just really, really passionate about Guardiola tactics. So it's like, um, uh, you know, we'll see, but, you know, it's, if it's Manchester United, it's Manchester United, you know, what can we do? <laughs> Um, I've been saying it for a while now, but he's the next Mexican captain, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even after, when he after was... the after the Guardado Ochoa generation, it's it's his it's his team. I think it's his team. It's his team, and I think he knows it. He he's aware of it, um, and I think uh, you know he's been honed from day one. I mean, from 2017 until today, he's been sort of honed. He's had ups and downs. I mean, the the own goal against Sweden and the World Cup was a tough one to a tough pill to swallow, but he's picked himself up. I mean, I think um, very, very mature. I mean, I think the way that he learned English so fast, you know, I remember when he was barely starting and had his questions and was, I mean, it's just this that type of dude that just when he has something in his mind, he he goes out and gets it. And I think, you know, having that type of leader, it's going to go a long way for, for El Tri. And I think uh, definitely 2026 World Cup is... Uh, it's Ed, Edson's the captain. 2022, he might be the captain already, you know? Yeah, they, yeah possibly, yeah. I mean, was not it, there. It, I mean, I love Ochoa, but I, as just in my head, I'd rather have an outfield player wear the armband. That's true, that's Doesn't true. It, you know it, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It depends there, but we'll see. I mean, I think uh, he's even if he doesn't wear it, he'll definitely be one of the main voices. And it helps when you speak English. I mean, to be honest, it just helps. All these refs speak English. Yeah, no, you know? I think I think yeah, it's it's one of the keys for for a lot of Mexican players when they're thinking about moving abroad is they have to have some grasp of the language, you know, especially you know if you go to the Netherlands, it's 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 definite Belgium as well. I think Artiaga should know one or two words by now, um, you know, because I know Govea knows English pretty well. Um, unfortunately, he's not playing as of late over there, but. He he was pretty. I mean, he's pretty good with the language, uh, and that has helped them. And now with all these Mexican Americans, they all speak Spanglish, so yeah. it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well. To be honest, it's how many uh, Mexican Americans we'll see in the following years, you no, know, uh, with the national team, um, you know, and 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 you know, seeing the case of Ochoa, you know, what he wrote and the Players Tribune. Um, I think that was great. That, that article was one of the best reads I've had in a while. And I, I said it on Twitter. It's, it, it's there's a before and after what he wrote, you know, in the sense of like convincing and understanding, you know, that the Mexico option is available, you know, as a Mexican-American. If you're if you're playing well in MLS, you're a starter, you're having great uh, performances, you'll probably get looked at by by uh by the mexican federation so i think it's now more than ever i think that's one of the biggest homeworks that gerardo torrado has to do is how do you open that dynamic even more like how do you make that more noticeable 
that you're watching, you know, that you're very, very up to date to what they're doing in, in MLS or USL um, in order to win the race in the competition because it is, for certain players, it will be a race, you no? Know? And, um, you know, you saw, you're seeing it with Araujo from the Galaxy. It, it's pretty clear that Berhalter really liked them. Um, and, but at the end, Araujo is following his heart, it seems like, and and will pick... Um, and his teammates. Most, I mean, and his teammates influence. Chichero. Yeah. Uh, Jonah, Brian. Yeah. And all that. So all that is, is plays a role. I think, uh, you know, with Ochoa, I think, Think about it. David Ochoa was the starting goalkeeper of the U23. I mean, the U.S. U23. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he, he goes the backup in the Nations League. The backup in the Nations League. Can you imagine yeah. that? Yeah. So, and what he wanted to, I didn't realize it, but I, I didn't realize he played at the in the Chivas youth system. Yeah, I didn't know that until the article, to be honest. I didn't yeah. know that about yeah. until the article. and. And look, you know, it's 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 uh it's a remarkable story. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen with his career. Like he could end up in Chivas as a starter. I don't know, maybe. Uh, because you know, the last move from Real Salt Lake to Chivas was Carlos Salcedo. Carlos Salcedo moves from Real Salt Lake yeah. to Chivas. So it, he forced his a, way there. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a story behind this. So I mean, um, I don't know. We'll we'll find out, but yeah, I mean uh I look forward to to seeing more Mexican Americans in the Mexican national team for sure. Yep, uh, me too. And uh, hopefully, Pepe doesn't turn out to be the best player of all time because that would be disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing he's playing lights out. You know, it's it's one of those players that also has a star. I think the what what he did in Honduras was pretty special. Um, you know, a lot of you know, it's it's a nice story as well. No, and. It's part of the successful stories of, about the academies in the U.S. as well with, with FC Dallas, what they've done. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out. It's going to be gonna be interesting. I mean, Pepe and Santiago Munoz, I think they played together um, at some point in their lives. So one of them is playing for the three, the other one is playing for the U.S. national team. So that's going to be uh, a nice rivalry. Yeah, I'm just waiting to Santi to make us. If he, I, I wrote something the other day, or not the other day, a couple weeks ago when he made that move. He has until essentially he has until Thanksgiving to play in in the in in the EPL to beat uh, I think Carlos Vela is the youngest Mexican to play in uh, in the EPL. Oh shoot! So maybe I mean it's running out. I don't think probably not. But I mean it's yeah. just interesting. Someone's like, oh, he's gonna be the youngest player. I was like, well, he has to play a game. But you know when that that kid was like, Flores Flores in Arsenal, you think he might be the one that might break it? He's eighteen right now, right? I believe so, yeah. So he's young. He's young. I I mean, the, he plays for the U seventeens, I believe. Or yeah. the U twenties. He plays for the um he plays for the U twenty three, like in the in the reserve league. Yeah, he just it was it was his birthday two days ago. He just turned eighteen. I I think he might break it. He's got a year. He has yeah. a year to play in the EPL to break it. So we'll see. I mean he's training with the he's training with the uh with the first team all constantly, so We'll see. I mean, he he was supposed to be with the Canadian national team in January before he got hurt. He was he was he was supposed to get called up to their January camp, and he was on their uh, provisional roster for uh, the Gold Cup. But I saw a rumor that his his he's I think his dad wants him to play for Mexico. Right? Is that the yeah? Is that, the, is that what I've been read, hearing? I haven't read that much into it, but I mean, I I know that Mexico played friendlies against Spain over there, and he was part of the yeah. team. 
Yeah. So, but like you said, until you get cap tied, you don't, you know what I mean? Until you get called up to the senior team, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, uh, we'll see. We'll see what these, um, that does. I don't know. When are these friendlies? There's a friendly in Charlotte, I think. No. Charlotte. Yeah. So, so there's a friendly and I, it's so, it, it bothers me because it's, yeah. it's a straight up Molero game. It is, it is between the game. So they play, um, on 10 13, they play El Salvador in El Salvador. And then they play a game in Charlotte like two weeks later. But mm. that game is two weeks before Mexico plays the United States in Cincinnati. So okay. essentially, that game is going to be it's a non FIFA date. So it's going to be Liga MX guys, maybe some MLS, MLS guys, depending, depending on, the, on the playoff schedule, you know? That's another thing with with MLS teams. If the players in playoff contention, I don't know if the clubs are going to be like, "Oh, it's a good idea to call out my players," especially since it's not a FIFA date. Yeah, but then again, date. but then again, there's that economical implication. It's like, okay, well, I'm doing the game in the states. I'm doing it in the new city where there'll be an expansion team. I need all my MLS and the MX players. There's no. There might be something in the contract that stipulates you can't, you can't say no to the color. Uh, Because it, it's gonna these the European guys aren't coming. That's one hundred percent. You know they're not gonna come out here. So it's it's gonna have to be Liga MX and MLS guys. And this is the game where you bring in uh, if a Rajo switch is permanent by that point, you bring in a Rajo, you bring in Ephraim. I mean maybe Jonah practice a Ochoa, You bring in a Choa for sure. Yeah. And then you bring the fringe guys, the, the the you know the Olympic guys, the guys that have they haven't been called up but are on the on the cusp of being called up. Bring those guys for example. Yeah, he's been on a tear. So those are the guys you bring up for these games. And I guess I guess it serves that purpose, but I don't like it. And, and it serves also the purpose of what if he calls up Chicharito? What if it all of a sudden happens? What if it all of a sudden happens? I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> because of Chicharito. Because of Chicharito, that stadium gets filled up, you know, 50,000 fans for a so-called Molero game. That's a good, a good, a good, a good move. <laughs> I don't see that happening. It would be hilarious if he does get called up after Jimenez is healthy, but Oy. we needed him in the summer. We need, I, I was talking to John Arnold back in like June and we were saying if he doesn't get called up this summer, his career, national team career is done under Tata Martino. And I think it is. Yeah. No, I mean we were just... playing. We were playing false nines for a couple weeks. We had Lozano as a false nine. You know, yeah. like no, you know, it's just I'm done. I'm nah, done. Wolf, I'm done talking about you, though. <laughs> Shit makes me sad. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to talk about before we wrap up? No, I think we're all good. Roll uh, great chat. Uh, great, great catching up a little bit in the um, uh, Liga MX and El Tri scene. Always a pleasure to talk about a topic I love so dearly. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, enjoy the games, enjoy the, the FIFA break. Um, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but we'll see if there's more Mexican influence in your Chicago fire coming, coming your way. <laughs> we'll see. It's tough because, you know, I'm a season ticket holder and I want them to do well, but it's like, I don't want them to bring in a Mexican if he can be in Europe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like but... when there was the rumor of Pineda, I was like, no, 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 let Pineda go to La Liga, you know, even though it would be better for me if he came to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, maybe, maybe in the coaching staff, you never know. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a uh, Jaime to come uh, coach us. We'll see. Uh, Jaime would be, would be a good pick to be honest. If you, if you think about it, like a coach that is young, that 
um, did well. I mean, the, the, I mean, they did, they did. Chicago already brought a, a coach that won a U.S. Twenty World Cup. Uh, I think the Serbian was yeah, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he and, and who, they who brought was him. doing well. He was doing well in like the second or third, third division in Europe or England last year. He was coaching, I think, Reading, but. Yeah. That was under the old owners who weren't spending any money too. So like, I feel bad for him. Like he, he was our coach, but like our owner was so cheap. Like we weren't spending any money. Now we got the new guy. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see then. All right. Well, where can we uh, find you on Twitter? Oh, at Nayib Moran, N-A-Y-I-B Moran. Um, And yeah, uh, I'll I'll try to tweet stuff out uh, during the qualifiers and yeah, make sure to follow our. <laughs> I'll make promotion the New York Rebel Spanish account at rbny yeah, hey. underscore yes. Yeah, so you guys have like a you guys got a couple of Mexicans on that team, right? Or on the yeah, on the USL squad. We 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 actually tell, we tell me. for the first team in the first team we have Omir Fernandez and Frankie Amaya, and both are Mexican American. How old is Frankie? Is he is he twenty? 21? He's 20, 20, I believe. Okay. Or, I know he was the number one pick a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. So Frankie's from Santa Ana, California. Um, and so he already played for the U20s of the U.S. when Tap Ramos was the coach. Uh, but mm-hmm. since then, he hasn't gotten a call up. Uh, Omir Fernandez also already played for the U.S. youth national teams, like U17s and stuff. Uh, but since then, he hasn't gotten a call up. So... Omir is doing well. I mean, I think he scored three goals in the last five games or so. So uh, he's picking he's up. He's the one who did the, the, did the, the celebration. In a New York Derby. In a New York Derby, which is even more special. Uh, so, you know, his dad is Americanista. Uh, and that's why the celebration happened. But, um, but yeah, uh, Omir, Omir and, and, and Frankie are two players that are there as well as possible uh, Mexican-Americans that could one day uh, wear a three jersey. And um, I know we talked about it earlier, but I feel like the Red Bulls are one of those teams that does a good job of utilizing the USL club, their second division club. Yeah, yeah. no. So nowadays, I think, you know, you see a lot of academy players getting t- minutes in that team. So it's, it's one of the cool things about the USL is like you have – you have a 16-year-old getting competitive minutes against, you know, 30-year-olds, 28-year-olds um, from the Tampa Bay Rowdies or, you know, Charleston Battery, um, Pittsburgh Rounds. Riverhounds? Riverhounds. Eh? Riverhounds. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> it's interesting because through the years, it has shown that the development has allowed the players to, to, to shine. No? For example, John Tolkien who's now a Hayden starter, Caden Clark. Clark as well. But John Tolkien, you know, I think he was like 16 and he was playing in USL and then went through a process and now he's starting with the Red Bulls, no? So it's, the path is very, very well, well placed. Caden played a couple of games in USL before signing the first team contract with the Red Bulls. Um, recently, uh, striker Omar So um, also went through the same path, played two, two, around two years with the USL and now signed with the first team and he's also getting minutes. So I think they've, they really capitalized on that opportunity, you know, with, with, with handing them minutes at a very young age and then uh, putting the player, uh, slotting the player in, in the starting 11 and MLS. So 
um, I think they they the the club has really managed that well uh, in for for many years already. Yeah, and having a USL club lets them kind of go around the MLS uh, roster requirements because you can sign a player for a USL contract doesn't count as an MLS slot because you can only carry thirty players, and you let him develop there, and then once he's ready to de- to come up, you sign him to an MLS deal. So you're not essentially the MLS club, the parent club isn't paying for the development. You know, they're just letting him come down here and play. And then once he's good enough, he gets the upgraded contract. And that's what they did with Caden Clark. They let him go down there. They signed him for USL for a couple, couple weeks, a couple months. And then he got the upgraded contract. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, things that has worked well for the club and, 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 you know, we'll see if the, the team can make a late push to the playoffs and, and you know, the playoffs, anything can happen, especially now that it's just one game. So it's like, of course you don't have the home field advantage if you end up in one of the lowered seats, but, um, but you know, the team has, has won three straight away, away games uh, right now. So they're, they're hitting a hot streak and, you know, come the playoffs, you never know. You never know what's going to happen there. Should be fun though. Yeah. I got to make it out to a game out there. That stadium is just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Red Bull Arena. Oh, the red. Yeah, I think it's one of the best. I think like everything is so com- easy accessible. Uh, so yeah. I think uh, it's been a pleasure. No, two years already with the club and um, yeah. see seeing the growth of the league, uh, going to stadiums. You know, I think Columbus Stadium is nice. Cincinnati Stadium is nice, and those those are brand new. Oh, um, oh the new. Yeah, I haven't been to the new Columbia Stadium yet. I yeah. might go to Cincinnati to see the Mexico game. We'll see how much they want to charge. We'll see. Yeah, no, let me tell you, it's a nice stadium, that one. It's it's really very, very – it has similar traits to Red Bull Arena. But, of course, you know, I think their supporter section uh, on one of the ends, it's very, very well done. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, it's it, it should be a – it should it's going to get loud in there. That's for sure. Because if it's yesterday, I think there was like – 20,000 fans and it was pretty pretty loud you know most of the game well thanks for hopping out naive we'll have you on again in the future always fun to talk soccer with you man oh great great hopefully the the listeners enjoy the chat i think we've talked a full range of topics so there's definitely something there for you all right thanks naive have a good one ciao ciao